0: You're listening to the Hui Kala Baptist Church Podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu. Hui Kala is a committed family of faith that loves Jesus and loves one another. Grab your Bible and prepare for preaching from the Word of God for Pastor Anthony King. If you have your Bibles ready, turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 5. We're going through the book of Ephesians verse by verse. Uh, We've been doing it since the beginning of last year. Uh, This is our series entitled Alive Together. We're uh, slated to uh, wrap this uh, series up by the end of the summer, and then we'll move on to uh, something else in the fall time frame. Uh, we're just going through verse by verse of the book of Ephesians. Now, the book of Ephesians is an inter- interesting book, uh, but it sometimes comes to some touchy subjects. Uh, we found ourselves kind of in the middle of a touchy subject here today that uh, could or could not be considered inflammatory in our society today. Uh, as we looked at uh, several, uh, probably about a month or two ago now, Book of Ephesians, the Bible says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. We took a look at what the Bible has to say about alcohol, uh, and there's differing views on both sides of that, uh, but it's kind of a difficult, sticky passage today. But us as a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church, we're not just gonna skip parts of the Bible because it's uncomfortable or because it might not be popular or something like this. Some of the words that are just used, I could just read this passage of Scripture in public uh, today, and people are gonna automatically be divided on how they feel about it. When you start using words like, the husband is the head of the wife, and a wife should be in submission to her husband. Uh, In our society today, that just makes people feel awkward. It makes people feel uncomfortable. They're just like, ooh, I don't know about that. Uh, I don't want any guy being the head of me, or I I don't want to be talking about submission and things like that. And and guys oftentimes have a uh, misperception as far as what headship and biblical leadership looks like. Uh, That's why for the last couple of weeks, uh, we have uh, been taking a look at the man's role in biblical headship and biblical leadership in the home and what it is and what it isn't. Uh, today, we're taking a look at the wife's responsibility in the marriage. And so um, I've never been a wife before, uh, and, but uh, the good news is the Bible tells us exactly what we need to know. And so I'm thankful for God's word uh, this morning. Ephesians chapter five, we're going to start in verse number 21 this morning. This is kind of the foundation for a marriage that will go the distance with joy Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he's the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones, and for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh." This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as he loved himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Again, this is the third week that we spend in this passage here. We're going to spend one more week here, but next week we're going to take a look at what the passage is talking about with Jesus and his church. Uh, so a lot of folks can uh, digest that a little bit easier because I'm not telling guys what they need to do or ladies what they need to do, uh, but we're talking about what the church needs to do for Jesus instead. Uh, but And then after that, we're going to move on to chapter number 6. I want to preface all this by saying today that um, we're not, as a church, uh, required to be politically correct, and so the things that will be said today uh, might not be politically correct, but at the end of the day, we're called to be biblically correct, and so I want to take a look at what does the Bible say, how do we apply that to our life, and know this, when you apply God's word to your life, you find joy every single time. I uh, had an opportunity to, to hang out with our single adults on Friday night at our singles Bible study. Uh, and I, uh, I gave them the opportunity just to ask questions. They submitted some questions. We started talking through it and stuff like that. One of the questions that the singles had uh, was, what if God calls you to a place where you don't want to be and you're not happy? What do you do then? And, and my response to that was this. When my heart is right, God's will is never a bummer. Uh, because if my heart is right, I'm gonna delight myself in the things of God. I'm gonna desire to be where God wants me to be. I'm gonna desire to fulfill the role that God's given me. And marriage is no different. And the fact that when we follow God's plan, we follow God's design, my desires should change to be in line with God's desires. My heart should change to be in line with God's heart. And I will find joy and fulfillment when I do things God's way. I think most of us have tried to do it our own way before and it's blown up in our face. Every time I've tried to take things away from God and do it the way that I wanna do it, I found that I make a ridiculous mess out of everything. But when I do things God's way, I always find God's best for my life and I always find joy and marriage is no different. Now, what we're saying today, we're not saying for shock value. Uh, The goal here is not to be inflammatory for the purpose of being inflammatory. Uh, We're not trying to to, uh, stir the pot, so to say. Uh, We're not trying to stand for anything other than the Bible. Uh, We're not trying to stand for anything other than biblical marriage. Uh, I'm not trying to do anything this morning than to help married couples understand your role in the marriage relationship and help single adults or those that are not married to understand how a biblical marriage should work. all of us have seen marriages that work really really well according to the Bible We've also seen marriages work really, really poorly because they didn't do it God's way. Or maybe they even had a misunderstanding of what God's word looked like. If you missed uh, last week's message, we talked about biblical headship. You need to go back and listen to that on our church website. Uh, I, I apologize for la- the length of last week's message. Uh, I, I never look at my watch until I finish. I looked at my watch, it was 12.05. and I realized I'd been preaching for over an hour. I apologize for the length of that. I don't apologize for the contents of the message. It was all biblical. Uh, I'd try to pare it down if I had a chance to do it again, but I don't. I'll try to do better today. Notice I didn't make any promises. I used the word try. Uh, And so, uh, but here's the idea behind it, though. If you missed out on last week's message, biblical headship for men is not about being the boss of your marriage or calling the shots or getting your way or telling your wife how things get done around here. Uh, And we said for the last three weeks, and we'll say it again this morning, if you have to tell somebody that you're in charge, you are not in charge, right? If I have to say, I'm the husband around here and you need to submit, you're doing it 100% right every single time. If you have to tell your wife that you're the head of your house, then you're doing something poorly. Biblical headship is my ability, my opportunity to serve and sacrifice for the well-being of my spouse. That's what biblical headship is. I get to serve my spouse for the rest of my life. That's what it means to be a biblical head. As we look at marriage in America today, marriage is under attack, simple as that. For the longest time, uh, divorce statistics in uh, the United States were pretty much flat and the fact that they were at 50%. Uh, 50% of uh, marriages ended in divorce. Now, some people look at that and they go, for every person that gets married, that there's somebody else that, doesn't, that, that gets divorced. But it's actually, the, the stats are a little bit skewed that way because they don't count second, third, fourth, fifth marriages I- either in that. So it's not every person that gets married, it's one other person gets divorced. It's a little bit more complicated than that. And oftentimes when they would do these polls, they would find out that uh, Christian marriages often ended up in divorce as well, and there was really no difference in the statistics between Christian marriages and non-Christian marriages. That should trouble us as Christians. That should cause us as the church to step back and go, hey, wait a minute, we're not doing something right if we're not different than the rest of the world. But what they found in the, the last several years is that divorce statistics continue to go down in America. When we look at that, and go, wow, what a, what a blessing. You know, the problem is, is that many people are not getting married, they're choosing to live together instead, until it doesn't work out, then they bounce onto the next relationship from there with little to no commitment. And so it's not so much that marriage is beginning to work in America. It's the fact that people are abandoning the idea of marriage altogether. And so, uh, and again, we're not even gonna begin to broach the subject of same-sex marriage and things like that, what it means in America. This passage is very clear. For this cause shall a man uh, uh, and woman leave their father and mother and come together, husband and wife here. The Bible's very clear in that teaching. We're not gonna talk about that. We're not gonna discuss it today. It just is what it is, simple as that. But even that central component under attack in America today. But we look at this and we go, oh no, marriage is under attack, this is such a terrible thing. Marriage has always been under attack. This is not new to us. When we begin to study the Bible, we see from the very uh, point of creation that marriage has been under attack. In Genesis chapter four, we see the first instance of polygamy, someone having multiple wives, that's against God's design. Chapter number nine, we see Noah goes in and gets drunk and his, uh, one of his sons goes in, the Bible says uncovers his nakedness and we're, uh, the, the, uh, the uh, phraseology of that could mean that he uh, either looked at his father in a sexual way or actually had a sexual relationship with his father. We don't know, but either one of those is sick and a perversion of God's plan. So we see the first instance of pornography in uh, Genesis chapter uh, nine. Genesis chapter 16, we see the first instance of adultery. Genesis 19, we see the first instance of homosexuality. Uh, Genesis 34, we see fornication and unequal marriage. Uh, Genesis 38, we see incest. Uh, Genesis uh, 38, we also see the first instance of prostitution. Uh, Genesis 39, we see the first instance of seduction uh, with uh, Potiphar's wife, in this case here. Hey, marriage has always had its problems. It's always had those who would attack it because the devil hates Christian marriage. Just know that. Hates it. And if you are a married couple trying to do things God's way, know this, you're gonna face opposition like you've never faced before in your life. And and maybe you've had a a marriage before but you're trying to make it a Christian marriage. You're trying to turn the ship around. And let me just tell you, it takes a while to turn the ship around. Just know that. Be patient, trust the process. God will bring you through, I guarantee you that. But maybe you're trying to turn it around and you're finding now you're facing opposition for the first time in your marriage. Your marriage is being attacked now. Don't think that to be strange, the Bible says. Because here's the fact, when you're going with the flow, nobody needs to fight against you to keep you going with the flow. If you're ruining your marriage like the rest of America, nobody needs to fight you. But the second you turn around and decide to take your ship upstream, you're gonna face intense, intense opposition. Stick it out, it's worth it. And and again, if you think our marriage is struggling, just know this, every single marriage struggles. In premarital counseling, I sit down with these folks, uh, the first lesson we talk about, we talk about the covenant commitment of marriage. Marriage is a covenant commitment. What, it, what makes a covenant different than a contract is a, a, in a contract relationship when one party doesn't keep their end of the bargain, the other person's free from their end of the contract. We have a contract to lease this building from our landlord. If we stop paying rent, he no longer has to allow us to stay here because we've broken the contract. The contract's null and void. We can both walk away from that with certain penalties. Marriage is not a contract relationship. It's a covenant relationship. A covenant says when one party breaks their side of the agreement, the other party commits to keeping theirs. That's what marriage is. That would be synonymous to we stop paying rent, but our landlord allows us to continue to stay here anyways. And you go, well, wouldn't that be nice? That would be amazing. But wouldn't it be nice if in marriages when couples were wronged, when one spouse was wrong, the other one said, hey, I'm gonna stick this out because I made a covenant commitment to my spouse before God and I'm gonna keep my end of the bargain. That's God's plan, that's God's design, that's what sets marriage apart from everything else. Marriage is a covenant commitment to love and serve another sinner selflessly for the rest of your life. That's what it is. So lesson number one, premarital counseling, marriage is a covenant relationship. Lesson number two, you will be disappointed because you're marrying a sinner. And the crazy part about it is is people sometimes are shocked when they begin to have problems in their marriage, they're like, what are we doing wrong? (laughs) Nothing, you married another sinner and you yourself are a sinner. And you put two sinners under the same house. There's gonna be problems because we're selfish. But marriage is a commitment to selflessly love and serve another sinner for the rest of your life. Good times, bad times, sicker, and health. Richer, poorer, doesn't matter. We're going to stick this out. We're, We're committed to this for the long haul to another person that I know for a fact will fail me. And lesson two, premarital counseling. Your marriage will go through difficult times, but you got to keep your commitment that you made because it will bring joy in the end. Now, we, we give them the tools that they need during premarital counseling to keep those periods of disappointment and difficulty shorter. Uh, and as you progress in your marriage, those uh, times of trials should get shorter and shorter. What used to uh, cause problems in your marriage for weeks now only causes problems for days maybe. Or what you would get upset for and take you a week to cool down it might take a few hours to cool down as you mature in your relationship with your spouse. But here's the idea. You're going to have problems, and that's just part of life. But here's the key to a, a marriage that will go the distance. Marriage is not about me, but it's about serving my spouse and giving glory to God. <laughs> premarital counseling, lesson number one. Before we ever even get into the notes, I ask each person the question. I had uh, the opportunity to take uh, Eric and Kanani through premarital counseling and Brian and Ana through premarital counseling. I set both these couples down, lesson one, before we ever get started. Eric, tell me why you want to marry Kanani. And he began to tell me. Kanani, tell me why you want to marry Eric. And she told me. Here's the things that I'm looking for in that. Feelings and emotions. Neither one of these couples said this, but I've had couples that said it, and I think we've got a lot of work to do. When I'm with Billy, time just stops. When I'm with him, everything around me is just a blur. When I look into his eyes, I feel, I can't even put into words what I feel. And I just want to feel that feeling for the rest of my life. Hey, you're not going to make it. You're not. I promise you. I guarantee you. Because your cake is going to get messed up on your wedding day, and Billy ain't going to be able to fix it, and you're going to think he's a loser, okay? And everything falls apart. I just just like the way she makes me feel. Feelings don't last. They don't. If you've been married for more than 30 days, you know feelings don't last. Married couples are laughing because they know this is the truth. (laughs) All of our singles are also sitting here going like, I think I should write that down, feelings don't. (laughs) Feelings will not take you the distance. Commitment to God will take you the distance. Commitment to your spouse will take you the distance. If I realize that marriage is not about me, but about my spouse, hey, we can go somewhere with that. Both of these couples told me, I wanna do life for them. I wanna take care of them. I want us to grow old together. I want us to, to, I wanna help them be everything that God's called them to be. Man, that's the right answer because marriage is not about me. It's about my spouse. It's about what I get to do for them. It's about how I get to serve them. Romans chapter 12 gives this, uh, Paul gives this challenge to the church but it definitely applies to marriage. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. You see, oftentimes we get into stuff because we wonder what's in it for us. Well, hey, what can I get out of this? That's not really about me. It's about what can I do for my spouse? How can I serve my spouse? You see, marriage is strengthened when we embrace our God-given roles. This is where we begin to see strength in marriage. When the husband commits to being a biblical, spiritual leader for his home, to love and encourage and sacrifice and serve and provide and protect for his wife. And then the wife commits to love, serve. These two words are gonna bristle. Some folks, rough with your feathers. I'm sorry, I'm gonna say them anyways because they're Bible words. Obey and submit to her husband. And if you're sitting here going, oh, that, that doesn't make me feel good. Let's just talk through it in a minute. Just, just hang tight for just a second. Press pause on your anger button, okay? Um, we'll get there in a second but when we both embrace those roles and begin to see marriage for what it truly is, then we can have strength in our marriage. You see, marriage is about interdependence and teamwork. If we begin to see ourselves as members of a team working towards a common goal, then we'll be able to embrace our God-given roles in marriage. If we begin to look at Marriage has a unique role that we fulfill. Uh, I played basketball uh, when I was growing up. I was always the tallest kid on my team, so I was always stuck at center. Uh, I was taller than everybody else on the other team, so I was always stuck under the, the basket to get rebounds. That was my role, I knew what to do. If they needed somebody to foul someone, I was the guy that did it, right? If they needed somebody to push other people out of the paint, I was the guy that did it. If they needed somebody to, to, to take a charge, I was the guy that stood under the basket and took the charge, because I was big, I could do that. That was my role. Never one time did they say, we're gonna set a screen for Anthony and get him open at the top of the three-point line and let him let it fly. Never one time, ever. If I had ever looked like I was looking at the basket from the three-point line, the coach would have jerked me out quicker and so fast to make my head spin. You know why? It wasn't my role. I could look and say, well, I wanna be like Dan. I wanna shoot the three from the corner like Dan. Anthony, that's not your role. Well, then, then, would I say, well, I'm not a valued member of the team. I'm less than Dan. No, you have your role and we need you to fulfill it. Because if you're not standing in the pain, they're gonna be able to drive all day to the bucket. They're gonna take the ball to the hole every single time. If you're not fulfilling your role, you gotta do it. If you're not there to catch a rebound, we don't get second chance points. You gotta fulfill your role. In marriage, it's the same thing. We have God-given roles. And if you don't wanna play your role, your marriage will never be everything that God created it to be. I read an interesting article in the news uh, several weeks ago. Uh, Russell Wilson, the uh, quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks, signed one of the largest contracts in NFL history. Uh, He signed a a contract for four years on $140 million. And I I could really care less about football. Uh, No, I couldn't care less about football. That's what I wanted to say. Uh, I'm not a big football guy. I'm a basketball guy. I grew up in Kentucky. Football season for Kentuckians is a snoozer. Uh, But um, basketball season, on the other hand, uh, that but this caught my eye, it was unique because uh, Russell, Russell uh, uh, Wilson, actually, uh, after he received this contract, bought his defense, I'm sorry, his offensive lineman uh, 12,000 shares of Amazon stock, 13 offensive linemen, he bought him $13,000 uh, worth of shares of Amazon stock and gifted it to him. I thought, that's unique. But what's unique is the letter that he wrote to him. Here's a letter, it says this. Every Sunday we go to battle together your sacrifice and your physical and mental well-being to protect me. No, you sacrifice your physical and mental well-being to protect me, which in turn allows me to provide and care for my family. This does not go unnoticed, and it's never forgotten. Now it's my turn to return the favor. I would not be where I am today without you working to be great day in and day out. And I looked at that, and I read that quote, and my immediate thought went to marriage. And you go, what? How How do you get marriage out of that? Because... If I'm the quarterback for my house, I cannot possibly get the ball up the field without my offensive lineman. Who's that? That's my wife. Man, I could not advance the ball if it weren't for my wife. I just couldn't do it. And so you know what I do? Every opportunity I get, I wanna honor her. I wanna care for her. I wanna make sure her needs are met. I wanna make sure that she's cared for. Because we can't do marriage solo. It just doesn't work. Marriages fall apart every single day because marriages, uh, spouses stop looking out for one another and start looking out for themselves <laughs> without fail. Every single time folks come in for, for marriage counseling, I begin to talk, hey, tell me what the problem. Well, he doesn't communicate very well or he doesn't tell me what's going on. Well, well she never uh, tells me how much she appreciates me. She's never, never thankful for what she gets. And then I ask this question and it, it blows their mind. Okay, what part of this do you own? What's your fault? Well, Well, I guess it could be nicer. That's not, that's, that's weak, that's a softball. What part of this are you willing to own that you've done wrong? And they begin to realize they're not caring for their spouse anymore, they're protecting their own self. And somewhere along the way, they stopped looking out for each other like a team does and began to look out for themselves. And that's where everything begins to fall apart. Marriage is about teamwork and interdependence. Marriage is held together by humility and mutual submission. Again, verse 21 kind of sets the foundation for all of this, submitting yourselves one to another. Number one thing that's going to kill your marriage, guarantee you, pride. Guaranteed. Without fail. Pride will, is a killer every single time. Do you know the disagreements that you have in your marriage? The Bible says the root of those is pride. Only by pride cometh contention, the Bible says. You got, you got drama, whether it's with a coworker or whether it's with your spouse, the only root of that is pride. But when I walk in humility towards my wife, we can get connected. When I'm willing to submit myself to her and she submit herself to me, that's when we, we begin to see power and maturity in our marriage relationship. Now, ladies, I am going to talk to you about biblical submission. And some of you need to grow in this area. And some of you just hearing the word that you need to submit to your husband automatically, again, ruffles your feathers. But let me just tell you this. You're not gonna like this either. This is your God-given role. And if you choose to buck your role, your marriage will suffer. If any of those offensive linemen that play with Russell Wilson decide that they want to be the quarterback, everything falls apart. A team can't have two quarterbacks. Just can't. was uh, interesting to watch, uh, I'm, a, I'm a Lakers fan, um, still. Um, <laughs> it's ugly. It's ugly to watch, uh, this is just an aside, it's ugly to watch a team like Toronto go to the finals because they got one good player and we get LeBron James and we can't even make the playoffs. Like, that's frustrating. Anyways, um, <laughs> but as a Lakers fan, it's interesting to see the, d- the dynamic uh, back in the, uh, the late 90s, early 2000s between uh, uh, Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal. You know why? Because both of them won in the spotlight. There's only one, one spot in the spotlight, and they fought like cats and dogs, and they struggled. Oh, they won a championship together. Yeah, but they hated each other's guts. And let me just tell you this, in your marriage, you can have small victories along the way, but if you hate each other's guts, there's no joy found in those victories. It's all about teamwork, it's about humility, it's about submission. It's about willing to, to back your husband's call. It's about willing to being willing to affirm his authority and his God-given ability to lead. You say, well, he's not a good leader. Well, then we can work on that. But it doesn't absolve you from your God-given responsibility to be in submission. But we need to understand, first of all, what biblical submission is not, because again, it gets a bad rap. And again, the idea of traditional gender roles doesn't hold any place in God's word or Jesus's church. We're not about tradition. We're not about hierarchy. We're not about this is the way things have always been done. We're all about biblical roles that God's given us here. And so the idea, again, that dad's going to sit on the couch and uh, smoke a pipe while he reads the, the newspaper, mom's in the uh, kitchen baking uh, chocolate chip cookies while she's bathing the kids, that's not a biblical view of headship or submission. That, that's perpetuated through bad TV, leave it to beaver and stuff like that, okay? That's not God's picture for marriage. Hey, look, when our kids need a bath, you know who bathes in? Mom does, because that's her job. No, it's not, it's mine, because I lead If my kids don't get uh, a shower before bedtime, you know whose fault that is? Mine. You know why? Because I'm in charge. I'm the leader for my family. If my wife's busy doing other things, you know what I'm doing? I'm going to get the kids bathed. Hey, you know what? If my wife is doing some other things with our family and taking care of some other needs that we have and dinner needs to be made, you know who's going to make dinner or more than likely order dinner? (laughs) I do. You know why? Because it's my job. I am the leader. So this idea that a wife should stay in the kitchen or a wife should remain barefoot and pregnant and things like that, those, that's just bad teaching. That's, that's somewhere along the way got into, creeped into American culture and it's unhealthy. It's not a biblical idea of submission, but biblical submission is not giving up your rights. It's not about saying, well, I, I, don't, I don't have any rights anymore. I, you know, I'm a second-class citizen here. You know, again, the, the idea of, of feminism in America, you can read through the history books where it came about in the 60s where women wanted more rights and more rights and, and equal rights and things along those lines. We've seen it even perpetuated into uh, women in combat situations and things like that. And we're not gonna get into any of that stuff here today. I'm just telling you this. When women throw off their God-given role and responsibilities and want to take on a man's role, problems happen and confusion reigns. Simple as that. Again, we're not gonna uncover any of that. You wanna know, we'll talk about it later. i be happy to sit down and talk with you uh, about what that's done for our society and our culture today. But it's not about taking away women's rights. It's not about the well, they don't have the right to do this or they, uh, they shouldn't be doing this or, or that. Biblical submission is not about abandoning, abandoning your opinion. Any man that is truly a biblical head of his home and a spiritual leader craves his wife's wisdom, craves it. I'm, I'm not making any decision that, that has any lasting impact until i talk to my wife first, ever. Just not gonna do it. Why? Because she often has so much more wisdom and insight to a given situation than I do. Oftentimes, uh, I'll, I'll talk with somebody and, and, and uh, provide some, some counseling and things like that. I'll ask my wife to get involved because I want her wisdom. She knows what's going on. So it's not about a wife abandoning her opinion, like, well, it doesn't matter what I think anymore because he's the head of our house and I have to be in submission. That's foolishness as well. Any man, again, who is a spiritual leader will want to know his wife's heart and will want to know her wisdom in a given situation. Biblical submission is not about remaining silent. Again, the idea that women should keep their mouths shut while the men are talking, again, is is, is so damaging. And again, when people begin to look at words like biblical headship and uh, and, uh, spousal submission, It automatically conjures up ugly male chauvinistic attitudes of putting women in their place. And that couldn't be further from what the Bible has to say. Biblical submission is not staying out of the decision-making process. Again, I never make any major decision in my entire life without asking my wife first what she thinks about a given situation. I want her involved. Now, at the end of the day, as the head of my home, I gotta make the call. I'm the guy that pulls the trigger. And any ramifications and consequences, you know who they come back to? They come back to the head because that's my job. And it's again my job to protect my family from the fallout of any poor decisions because I'm the head of the house. And if I take her advice or I yield to her wisdom and make a call that ends up being a bad call, I never turn around to her and say, well, I told you we shouldn't do that. This was your stupid idea anyways. That's not biblical headship. Biblical headship says, hey, I made the call. I pulled the trigger. I'll handle the, the consequences of it. Hey, I, I trust what my wife has to say. And so it's not about keeping women out of the, the decision-making process. A biblical submission is not about surrendering your will. Well, it doesn't matter what I want. It doesn't matter what I think or I don't have an opinion anymore. Or I don't have uh, what I want to do uh, with things like that. It's not about that. Again, if we have mutual submission, I want to know what's going on. This is key as well. Biblical submission is not all women being submissive to all men. This passage is very clear. Verse number 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Own husbands as unto the Lord. This is not about all guys get to tell all ladies what to do. No, that's not biblical submission. My wife is submitted to me. and No other dude's gonna tell her what she needs to do. Simple as that. And here's the, the order to, and again, people are gonna get weird about this. The Bible says this, that God is the head of Christ and Christ is the head of man and man is the head of woman. And again, we look at that and we look at it as a hierarchy, like, ooh, I don't like flow charts. That makes me feel bad. And if you're a woman, you're like, oh, I'm at the bottom of the flow chart. I don't like how that works, right? But you're looking at it wrong. Do you really think that Jesus is of less importance than God? That's a foolish thought. You think that Jesus is less important than God? That's a foolish thought. Do you think that Christ is submitted to his Father's will and trusts his judgment and leadership? Absolutely, we saw that in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so it's not a matter of a hierarchical view of of God, Jesus, man, and woman. And again, if you're into flowcharts, here's how it works as a biblical leader, a spiritual leader. God's at the first, I serve him. Then I serve my spouse second. Then I serve my family third. And you want, if you're in the flow charts, you're at the bottom head of the house. That's what leadership looks like. So this idea that, that women are automatically less than a man or they're inferior in some way, again, not a biblical idea at all. Biblical submission refers to a wife's divine calling to honor and affirm her husband's leadership and help carry it through according to her gifts. That's a really long statement, so we'll say it again. Biblical submission refers to a wife's divine calling. This is God's plan for her life, to honor and affirm her husband's leadership and to help carry that out through her, according to her gifts. Husbands, when you provide solid, biblical, spiritual, Christian leadership in your home, if your wife is walking with Jesus, she will greatly love, first of all, she's gonna love what she sees. Secondly, she's gonna want to follow you because she knows you're following Jesus. When you're following your sin, sick, carnal, nasty, filthy heart, and you want her to follow along with that, she's not really all that interested in that. If she's walking with Jesus, she's not. So again, I want to help you to understand submission is not second-rate, second-tier, and if if you feel that way, your marriage isn't biblical in that perspective. And husbands, if you're not providing quality leadership for your wives, today's the day to take a step up. Ladies, if you're not willing to submit to your husband's leadership, even if it's not as good as it should be, it's time today to take a step up. Well, I would follow my husband if he provided quality leadership. I don't think that's what the passage says. It says you need to follow your husband's leadership even when he's a knucklehead. You know why? Here's the beautiful part. Look at verse 22 if you would. You're to follow your husband's leadership. Take a look at that last phrase. As unto the Lord. My husband's a knucklehead, but I'm gonna follow him anyways because I love Jesus. My husband's a knucklehead. I I try to tell him my thoughts. I try to share with him my wisdom. He doesn't wanna hear it. But I'm gonna trust him anyways because I know this honors the Lord. That's the idea behind it. Next, wives were created to be a helper to their husband. Again, if you don't like it, you just got a problem with the Bible. Genesis chapter two, verse number 18, the Lord God says, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make a help meet or helper for him. And again, before you jump on that word helper and make automatically think that you're a servant and you don't like that word because it makes you feel inferior, the Bible says that God is our present help in time of need, that God is our helper. Does that make God subservient to us? Does that make God inferior to us? Does that mean that God is lesser than us? No, that means God now helps us to reach our God-given potential. And so, so wives, please understand, this has nothing to do with your worth or value as a person. It has nothing to do with your importance in the marriage. If anything, I'm gonna say this, and you might get mad at me. If anything, a woman that loves Jesus and is willing to submit to even crummy leadership in her home is more important to strengthening a marriage than the man is many times. I've seen guys that are knucklehead. I'm gonna even go so far as to, knucklehead's too nice of a word. I've seen guys that are flat out losers, but their wives choose to follow their leadership as unto the Lord and God blesses their marriage. I've seen it happen. No, if you're sitting here tonight, so guy's saying, well, that means I don't have to lead and God, God's grace just covers it. That's not what I said. You need to provide quality leadership in your home. Here's the thing, wives, if you're not loving and serving your husbands, you will be unfulfilled in your marriage. Simple as that. If you're not loving and serving your husband, you will be unfulfilled in your marriage because your marriage isn't about your spouse anymore. It's all about you. Husbands, if you're not loving and serving your wives, your marriage will be unfulfilled because you're just in it for you and here's the beautiful thing when I take care of my wife's needs and she takes care of my needs we have this beautiful thing going where we serve each other and it's just a circle that continues to go and grow and mature in our love for each other what happens when somebody breaks the cycle what if I'm still serving my wife but she stops serving me what happens then I still get to serve her you know why because it's a covenant relationship there goes that word again right I still get to serve her even when she doesn't meet my needs. And I'm gonna pray for her and I'm gonna love her and encourage her through that time. Maybe she's got some stuff going on that I don't, need to, that I don't know about and I need to find out about it. See, what's going on? I feel like our marriage, I'm, I feel like we're struggling. What can I do to help you? What can I do to uh, encourage you? What can I do to take a load off of you? Share your heart with me. And, and I've gotta make a safe environment for her to be able to do that. Next. Typical headship for the husband is a divine calling. We took a look at this last week to take primary responsibility for Christ-like servant leadership, protection, and provision for the home. Servant leadership, provision, protection. That's my job and the job of every husband in your home, every single one of you. Leadership, provision, protection. We took a look at that last week. We're not gonna, to, to recap it today. That's my role as a man. That's any man's role in marriage, A wife's submission, is, wife's submission is rooted in a commitment to Jesus as Lord and as is is discerning in what it approves. Again, wives submit as unto the Lord. I'm going to follow my husband because I love Jesus. But notice she's discerning in what she approves. She's not going to follow her husband into sin. She's not gonna follow her husband away from the Lord. She's not gonna follow her husband in a a way that would bring detriment to their marriage. She's discerning. Again, we said uh, wives are to be submissive to their own husbands. I think that might be a duplicate in your notes there. First Peter chapter three, likewise, you wives be in subjection to your own husbands. If obey not the word, they may be won by the conversation of their wives. Wives should be in submission to Jesus first and their husband second. Again, all of this flows properly when we're walking with Jesus. And let me just help you with this this morning. All of this doesn't amount to a hill of beans if you guys aren't following Jesus together. We provide marital counseling for Christian couples at this church because the only tools that I have at my disposal is the Bible and a lot of ministry experience. You take two people who do not know Jesus and come in. I can't tell the husband to walk in the spirit. You know why? Because he doesn't have the spirit. I can't encourage the wife to be in submission to her husband as unto the Lord because she's not even in submission unto the Lord. The only thing I have to offer non-Christian couples in in, in marital counseling would be this. Just try to be nice to each other and, and hope it works out. Because it's just behavior modification if it's not spiritual. So this only works if we're following Jesus. But here's the thing. These are principles for a Christian home. Maybe you don't even have a Christian home because you're not a Christian. That's critical. You might say, well, well, I'm Christian. I believe in God. Being a Christian is more than believing in God. It's about knowing for sure that your sins are forgiven and heaven is your home. You were born in sin, the Bible says. You were born with a sin nature automatically. Your sin has separated you from a holy God. That if you die in your sin, you'll be separated from God forever in eternity in a place called hell. And there's no second chances after hell. That's what we deserve. The Bible says we've earned our spot there. And we deserve to go to hell when we die because of our sin. But God loves you too much to allow you to go to hell. So he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to pay for your sins, to give you Hope, to give you a chance to be forgiven. But you can't go to heaven unless you put your faith and trust in Christ. Jesus said in John chapter three, no man shall see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. You must be saved. Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse number six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You cannot be a Christian. You cannot be saved unless you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Christ alone to forgive your sins. If you're here today and there's never been a time in your life where you've done that, please don't leave here today without knowing for sure that your sins are forgiven and heaven is your home. It's the most important decision you'll ever make in your entire life and it will set your home on the right trajectory. Hey, look, if you're not a Christian, you're probably hearing all this today thinking, oh, this is a bunch of outdated junk because this this is spiritual stuff we're talking about. And if you don't align your home with the truth of God's word with Christ at the center, I don't really have a lot of hope for you. You say, well, I've known people that have been married for 50 years and, and they're not followers of Jesus and they make it just fine. Maybe that's the case. But I'm telling you, do it God's way and you'll never be disappointed. But Christ must be at the center. A wife's godly submission can actually increase the faith of her husband. Here's a crazy thought. Hey, if your husband isn't providing the leadership you need in the home... Why don't you serve Jesus and serve your husband? And that will increase your husband's faith. And you know, somebody says, Oh, I don't know about that. That's what Peter says in first Peter chapter three verse number two. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that with the outer outward adorning and plating of hair and wearing of gold or putting on of apparel. Let it be the hidden man of the heart, which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God, a great price. Verse number one, it says they may be won by the conversation, the way that the wife lives her life. You know, it's interesting. Peter says here, ladies, you want your husband to grow in his faith. Don't worry about how you fix your hair, what kind of clothes you wear, okay? Now, this is not the excuse to sit in your pajamas all day, okay? It's not what, I'm, it's, not what it's saying. It's saying you spend so much time making yourself beautiful on the outside, you forgot about the hidden man of the heart, Work on that. And this says your husband will be drawn to that because of the way you live your life. Crazy thought, ladies. If your husband isn't providing good leadership, you have a golden opportunity to show him what a woman of God looks like. And I'm telling you this. When he sees you begin to advance in your walk with Christ and see the changes that God's making in your life, he's going to want to be the man that you deserve. I want to be the one that my wife deserves. I want to be the husband that can lead her through that. Hey, some of you guys are sitting here today and your wife is light years ahead of you in her spiritual walk. You know what I tell you? Buckle up, buttercup, and get her done. Seriously, you got some work to do, man. If your wife is ahead of you spiritually, you need to enroll in discipleship. You need to commit to walking with Jesus. You need to spend time in the Word. You need to be in church every single time the doors are open. And you need to do whatever you can do. (laughs) Just like when I was in college, I used to cram right at the end. You need to cram for the rest of your life. Take a step up, get it done. Lead your house well. Some ladies here today, your husbands aren't followers of Jesus or or are not providing leadership in your home. Let me tell you this, take a step up in your love for Jesus and service to him and your love and service for your husband because that will help him grow in his faith. You say, how long will it take? I don't know. But I'm telling you this, it probably was gonna take more than once or twice. It's probably gonna be more than just a week or two. It might be months, it might be years. But I'm telling you this, you do the right thing and God will honor you. Final thought this morning, quality of the husband's leadership determines the ease of the wife's submission. As a husband, I want to make it really easy for my wife to submit to me. I don't want her to be like, "Oh, I don't know if I want to follow this. He's not reading his Bible. He's not spending time in prayer. He never prays with me, he never prays with the kids. We don't even pray for our food." He never wants to go to church. He never wants to do the things of God. He drives and complains about church. And oh, I guess I'll follow him because I need to. No, I want her to be like, hey, I know he's walking with Jesus. I don't understand all, all this decision he's making, but I, I trust him. I know that he loves the Lord, and I know he loves me. I know he would never put our family in a bad position. I trust his leadership. I know he carries the burden of leadership, protection, and provision for our family. So whatever he decides, that's I, I trust him because I trust the Lord. I want to make it easy for her to trust my leadership. I want to make submission for her, this is going to sound crazy, a joy for her. I shared this uh, two weeks ago. We had first gotten married and uh, we had hit some, some financial problems because I was a poor steward of my money, simple as that. I didn't do things the way that I should have. It came to the point where we weren't going to be able to pay some of our bills. And she said, what are we going to do? I'm freaking out. She was like, I'm looking at the bills. We don't have the money to cover this. What are we going to do? And I said, don't worry about it. I'll handle it. And she goes, what are you going to do? I go, I don't know, but I'll handle it. And she said, okay. And it got handled. I don't even remember what happened, but it got handled. And she told me like a year later, she said, that night, she said, something in me just let go and was able to trust you because you said, You'd handle it, and she goes, and it felt like such a weight off of me that I didn't have to worry about it anymore because you had it handled. That's what biblical headship does. Now, that, that, again, understand I'm not saying shut my wife out. like You don't need to know nothing. I got it handled. You know That's not biblical headship. It's a, hey, sweetheart, if you want to know the details, I'd be happy to share them with you, but I just want you to know you've got nothing to worry about because I got this handled. That's what biblical headship, and that makes it easy and a joy for my wife to submit to that kind of leadership because she doesn't have to carry the burden. Oftentimes, ladies want to carry the burden because their husband's not willing to carry it. They want to provide leadership in the home because the husband doesn't. They want to teach the kid Bible stories because dad's not. They want to read the Bible because dad's not. They want to pray because dad's not. They want to take the kids to Sunday school because dad's not. And the wife wants to provide some level of leadership because the husband doesn't. Maybe she wants to provide for the family because the husband doesn't. The husband doesn't care or the husband spends his money carelessly or he's a poor steward of what God's given him. And so she feels the need to get a job and provide for the family because the husband doesn't provide the provision that's necessary and live within their means. And so she goes to get a job. And then she begins to provide protection for the family, maybe not physically, but emotionally and spiritually, making sure everybody's heart's right because dad's not doing that. And women step into a role that they were never created to fulfill because dad didn't, because the husband didn't. And now a woman is struggling in this role that she was never created to fulfill. She feels like she's not doing her best. She feels like she'd be better suited for something else because she's doing something she was never intended to do. While the husband who does nothing is not doing what he was intended to do, and he feels like a loser. He feels like a failure. He doesn't know what's wrong. He thinks maybe, maybe it's our marriage. And I'd be better off with, Sally from the office because she never gives me grief like I get at home. No, how about you step into your God-given role and then you'll find the joy that you're looking for in your own marriage. Wives, how about you be willing to step back and let your husband take leadership, provision, protection, and you just do what God's called you to do and you'll find joy there. Well, if I do that, everything's gonna fall apart. Good, you got a man to take care of it. That's what God says well, I don't know if, if I can trust my husband. Let me just tell you this, ladies. You can't trust your husband. You can't. We're gonna, we're gonna fail you. I guarantee you that. You know who you can trust? The Lord. That's why verse 22, oh, beautiful. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. My wife can't always trust me because she can always trust the Lord. So she's gonna do things God's way because God's promised to work those things out. Wives, here's eight ways you live out biblical submission and we're done here today. Number one, walk with Jesus. Now, before we get too much deeper, everybody needs to walk with Jesus, everybody. And single adults, you don't want to marry a person that goes to church. Ladies, you want to marry a man of God, not some dude. I think he might be a Christian because he posted on Instagram one time on Christmas Eve, like, Merry Christmas, and so I think he might gotta be Christian? Hmm. That's not what you're looking for, okay? No, I want to marry. I want my girls to marry a sold-out man of God that's gonna love them, protect them, provide for them, and provide the leadership for the long haul. That's what I want. I don't want a dude that casually attends church, but he's super hot, right? People look for that. Guys, you don't want to marry a woman who's not willing to love you, serve you, and support you all the days of your life. You just don't. You wanna marry a woman of God. You don't wanna marry some girl who's kinda of cute and you think she, she might be kinda of Christian-ish, you know? No, you wanna marry a woman of God. That's what you desire. And so as we look at this, ladies, here's how you be a woman of God. Walk with Jesus first and foremost. Your marriage will only be as strong as your relationship with Christ. I wanna say that one more time because it was good. Your marriage will only be as strong as your relationship with Christ. Here's the thing. If your relationship with Jesus is crummy, guaranteed. You might say, well our marriage isn't crummy. It's not what it should be though. Guarantee you that, guarantee you that. So you wanna strengthen your marriage, strengthen your walk with Christ first. Secondly, encourage your husband's spiritual walk. Here's how not to encourage your husband's spiritual walk. Your Bible's been sitting in the same place since Sunday. I bet you're not reading it, are you? That's not encouraging in your spiritual walk. That's not encouraging at all. Hey, sweetheart, I read this in my Bible today, and it really encouraged my heart. I read this verse, and I prayed this for our marriage. Notice there wasn't any, what'd you get from your Bible reading today? It wasn't that. It's just like, hey, here's something I read that encouraged me hey, I prayed for you today. Hope you have a great day. Hey, I'm really looking forward to going to church on Sunday. I love sitting in church with you. Kind of like a little date for us. Somebody else watching the kids and everything. <laughs> hey, you know what that does? That encourages your husband in spiritual walk. And again, if, if there's been many times that I've woke up in the morning to smell a freshly brewed coffee, and I find my wife at the kitchen table reading her Bible, having a cup of coffee. You know what, you know what that does for me when I see that? It encourages me to want to be the man that she deserves. Never once in the history of our marriage has my wife ever said, I bet you're not reading your Bible, are you? You know why? Because she knows it's not encouraging. There have been many times, though, where she said, hey, I got this from my Bible reading today, and it helped me. I think it'll help you today. Hey, I came across this verse today that really touched me. Encourage your husband's spiritual walk. Next, share your wisdom. Guys are dumb. We need all the wisdom we can get. Seriously, we put a front on like we got it all together. We know what we're doing, you know. We're dumb. We need help. Share your wisdom with us, but do it in a loving, caring way. Again, you say to your husband, I know you're dumb, and so I'm just gonna tell you this because you don't know it. Not what we're talking about at all. Hey, sweetheart, that thing we we're talking about doing, you know, I was, I was thinking about that and praying on it this week. And, and at the end of the day, you gotta make the call. But here's some thoughts that I was running through in that. You know what that does? That allows your husband to, to be the head, but it also allows you to be able to share your wisdom as well. That, that leads into affirming his leadership. Hey, baby, I know at the end of the day, you're the guy that's gonna make the call on this. And I want you to know that I trust you in that. But here's some thoughts that I had Hey, babe, I know this is already on your radar, but I just wanted to, to throw this out here. I know you're gonna get it handled one way or another. Hey, we had this thing come up at the kids' school, and, and I know you're, you're probably all over it, but I just wanted to remind you of that. Hey, how would you like me to handle that situation? You know, again, that's affirming his leadership. Again, when I say, well, I know you're not gonna handle this, so I guess I will. You know, somebody's gonna have to pray with the kids, and I know you don't. That's not affirming anybody's leadership. But maybe you're saying, hey, sweetheart, how about we go pray with the kids before bedtime together? You can lead. And that's affirming your husband's leadership. Next, trust in God's design. Again, this doesn't make sense to unsaved people. This doesn't make sense to people who uh, are in crummy marriages. This doesn't make sense to people who uh, have a poor leadership model that they're trying to follow. But God's design always works 100% of the time. When it doesn't work, it's because we messed it up. Next, Serve your husband joyfully. If if you're a a wife who missed last week, you're looking at this list, you're going, serve him joyfully. What is that? Last week was serve her joyfully, okay? Basically the same thing, just flipped. So take it as a joy to serve your husband. I I wanna meet his needs. I wanna take care of him. Hey, if anybody's gonna meet his needs, it's gonna be me. If anybody's gonna take care of him, it's gonna be me. Take joy and serving him. Next, communicate your heart. I never have to guess where my wife's heart is at because she always shares it with me. There's times where I say, hey, hey, tell me what's on your mind and she'll tell me because I wanna know what's going on inside of her. The Bible says that husbands are required to dwell with their wives according to knowledge. That means I need to know my wife like nobody else. I need to know her like the back of my hand. I need to love her and care for her, but I, I can only do that if she communicates well with me. Number eight, walk with Jesus. Wait, that was number one. Yeah, it's number eight, too. Because marriages begin to fall apart. Marriages begin to be stagnant when they stop walking with Jesus. Simple as that. Men, provide good leadership in your home. If you have a woman who is trying to be a woman of God, she will gladly follow your godly spiritual leadership. Women, Be willing to submit to your husband even when you don't agree, even when you think he's a knucklehead, even when you think he's a loser. Trust God's design and submit unto him because you love Jesus. That'll fix everything. If you're here today and you say, but Pastor, I'm not really married. Hope you took good notes because maybe God will allow you to be married one day. You say, Pastor, I'm never getting married. Good, take good notes because you can share them with somebody else one day. Most important thing in the world, if you're here today and you do not know for sure that heaven is your home when you die. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, the only way. You can't earn your way there. You can't be baptized enough. You can't go to church enough. Being in church today does nothing for your eternal standing before God. The only hope that you have is faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you're here today, there's never been a time that you've done that. Today is your opportunity.